Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and we're doing things a bit differently at the moment because of the epidemic. Today I'm chatting to Professor Mike Holmes. He's the Vice Chairman of the Royal College of General Practitioners. We're going to be finding out about how GPs are coping at the moment and how the health service might be affected after the epidemic. We're doing all right. I think um, it's definitely different. General practices uh, evolved, changed rapidly. Um, we're asking patients to access us in a different way using technology um, in, a, in a much more overt way. But, you know, I think um, despite the fact that there has been the changes and workloads gone up, um, I think morale is still quite good, in, certainly where I work. That's good to hear. Um, what's your day-to-day work like? How has it changed because of the pandemic? So I think... Um, the access to general practice is different. So we're asking patients to use the phone or use uh, the internet to contact us. And then we're um, calling them back and assessing their needs. Um, and very often we can use video consultations, which really has helped. And we're trying to deal with as, as many urgent requests in that way as possible. Um, we're using 111 more uh, for patients who think they might have coronavirus type symptoms. But we've also got the ability to see people both in a in an urgent way, um, and also for um, routine uh, problems. Are you worried that um, quite a few people have been put off by these new ways of contacting GPs, or have you found people have adapted fairly quickly? In the in the beginning, I think um, people the, the public um, was fantastic. It, they had an amazing response, and they were using the services really appropriately and uh, trying to keep away. Actually, I think, we, and we have noticed that they're was a reduction in urgent care activity. You know, at, at one point, I think uh, we were probably seeing a 25 or 30% reduction in mm. the amount of call, calls we were getting. Um, 
um, over time has become a slight worry. You know, we're seeing fewer people being admitted to hospital for non-COVID-related issues. Um, we're seeing the number of referrals into secondary care to hospital services has reduced. So, for example, the two-week wait referrals for potential cancer diagnoses um, seems to have gone down by as much as 50%. So we are worried that people have changed their behaviour and it's, and it's resulting in um, perhaps not presenting to general practice with problems they ordinarily would. Mm. What about people with mental health issues? Do you think um, people are, are still sort of hesitating and feeling that they shouldn't get in touch with their GP at the moment? Yes, I think there is an element of, of that. Um, I was talking to some colleagues um, from IAP and from, so that's the local psychological therapies service and also from the local mental health trust and they, they're telling me that referrals into their services have reduced um, and I think we are certain, or we were certainly seeing fewer uh, patients presenting with mental health issues, which is again a bit of a worry because you know, our, 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 what we suspect is that those problems are perhaps increasing um, mm. due, to, due to the lockdown and due to the current situation. So um, we are trying to get a message out that general practice is open for business and we re really would like patients to contact us if they are struggling. Yeah, definitely, because I'm, I'm sure it's it's a really difficult time for lots of people. For I think there's probably two issues, aren't there? People with long-term mental health issues finding things harder at the moment, but also um, perhaps people who might not have sort of had mental health issues before dealing with a great deal of, sort of anxiety and, and other issues. Um, how are you finding yourself the things like the, the video calls and sort of telephone calls with patients. I mean, do you think it's it must be very difficult to sort of support people, especially with mental health issues that way? It's certainly different. Um, I think um, we're having to adapt to that and have to make the best of it. Um, but to be honest, you know, we are able to communicate. We are able to see patients. Um, and whilst I accept it's not the same as being in the same room with them, that sort of human connection um, is definitely different. Um, I think it's okay and we're, and we're managing to have good conversations um, and, you know, we do have the ability to see people um, if absolutely necessary. And of course, um, you know, we, 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 we have capacity to do that. Um, we already sort of touched on how um, some people might be sort of hesitating about sort of going to the GP, um, even if they had sort of quite a serious issue. Are you worried that there might be some sort of um, possible sort of rush in terms of people going to the doctor after the pandemic is over? I think that's one of the things that we have been talking about, you know, what comes next. And, mm. um, and I think general practice is starting to prepare for that. Um, we want to avoid being overwhelmed and, and we're starting to reach out um, to patients who we, who we think might, might be at higher risk or in a situation where they might need our input. So uh, we're doing that for many long-term conditions and, and of course mental health is one of them. So we're thinking about, well, uh, which patients with severe mental illness do we need to reach out to? Um, perhaps our dementia patients, um, uh, other patients that perhaps have been at high risk um, for other reasons, whether there's a, um, a history of safeguarding or perhaps domestic abuse history in the past. You know, we're building teams within the practice to then reach out and try and connect with them proactively rather than um, just waiting till they contact us. Um, what about GPs themselves? What kind of challenges are they facing to their own mental health? Because it must be quite a stressful time. I mean, it's a stressful time for all of us, but it must be particularly hard mm. when you're sort of on the front line as you are. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly something where we, 
we are aware of. I think the changes in themselves and adapting to new ways of working has been one thing. Um, obviously, the, the risk of contracting coronavirus yourself does play into things, and we all know people or know patients who've, who've had it, and, and that's a challenge. Um, the other thing that we've come across, of course, is um, our workload in terms of our shielding patients and contacting patients in care homes and the other vulnerable patients on our lists and having difficult conversations about um, what they want for their future care, you know, where, where they want to be cared for, do they want to go into hospital? Um, and those conversations are really difficult. You know, they're difficult at the best of times when you're in a face-to-face situation, but trying mm. to do them, to have those conversations when you're not um, is, a, is, is quite stressful. So I think we are worried about our GPs and we're trying to um, offer um, resources um, and support for them to think about their own well-being during this difficult time. Mm. What support is there out there for GPs in particular? So I think we're, we're the, so the, the Royal College of GPs, the BNA, Royal College of Nursing, um, Health Education, and all the major stakeholders in England are starting to encourage doctors and other healthcare professionals just to think about themselves, to focus on their lifestyle, to, to get things like their diet, uh, their sleep, their exercise, make sure they've got good social connection and try to avoid um, unhealthy ways of de-stressing. That's really important. We're also um, giving advice around what they can do within their organisations, within their practices to support each other. Um, and, and again, I think that there's a lot of evidence that that sort of support from your team has, has huge benefit. Um, but we're also directing people to resources. So the NHS has um, a really good website, people.nhs.uk, where there's access to free apps that help with um, managing stress, with mindfulness, with worry, anxiety, and sleep. Um, and I think they've been really well used. And, and on top of that, there's a, there's a helpline. There's a, um, a helpline that's been run by the Samaritans. That's uh, seven days a week. And also a bereavement support line. Um, which I think is getting, they're both getting really good uptake. And then last week, we, we launched um, a specific service for everyone working in primary care um, called Hashtag Looking After You Too. Um, and this is a, an, an individualized coaching support where, where um, all workers can, can sign up and register through an online platform, and they can have up to four sessions with a, with a trained coach just um, encouraging them to think about their well-being, think about the approach, their approach to it, learn new techniques, and really just support them to build their resilience so they can um, keep going for as long as is necessary through this pandemic and beyond. That sounds great. So it's kind of as it's, it's not so much counselling; it's more like a kind of resilience training. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's it's um, it's using very it's using trained health coaches just to help people talk through the challenges they face. Just a really deep brief. Um, um, and consider uh, techniques that they might use uh, to manage their own well-being and to make sure they're mentally resilient uh, to continue doing the job. Mm. You mentioned then there as well, like the importance of um, teams supporting each other or people within a, a team mm. supporting each other. What kind of things um, can they do and what kind of things do they do in your practice? Yeah, so we're, we're very keen on, on the concept of buddying, so you know, pairing people up and giving someone to go to and talk talk about things uh, too. We're also um, having regular team meetings um, and encouraging people to, to talk about stress and well-being. We're kind of 
uh, asking people to recognize it, acknowledge it, and talk about it. Um, Other things I've heard being used are things like um, a staff common room concept, um, passion circles, where where there's more of a group feel to debriefing and sharing concerns. And one of the things we've tried recently is something called the 20-minute care space, which was um, initially developed in secondary care um, at the University of Bristol and has been further developed at UCL. Um, and we're trialling it um, with uh, um, with colleagues from NHS England um, up in Yorkshire um, in our practice, and, and we're trying to roll it out across um, other practices in our CCG area. Um, and really, it just gives people to come, gives the chance to come together in a group. It's a facilitated session using a, a very clear methodology, but it allows people to talk about what's what's on their minds, what's important to them, and to consider ways that they might think about addressing those things and, and maintaining their well-being. It's really interesting that it seems like sort of across all professions really and, and we're just even for people who aren't working at the moment who are just sort of stuck at home, um, human contact seems to be the key thing for, for keeping people well. Um, what kind of things do you think the government could be doing to support GPs more at the moment but also sort of after the pandemic? I think some of the some of the uh, support can just be acknowledging the fact that um, workload is is coming. You know, general practice has we've talked about some of the challenges we faced during the acute phase of the pandemic, but I think we know that um, once we get through that acute phase, then we're going to see um, work coming from patients who haven't presented with other problems during the pandemic. We're going to see consequences of the long-term conditions that we have been managing in a slightly different way. We've kind of paused a lot of the work we're doing on that. So we recognise there will be work to catch up on and also consequences of that pause. And we also know that um, the psychological impact of, of the pandemic will will potentially generate activity in, in general practice. You know, um, every single healthcare worker in the UK has a GP and they may use that as a, as a place to go to get support. Um, and we also know that there's going to be um, economic consequences um, of the pandemic, and that will cause, um, you know, challenges, anxiety, mental health issues for the general public. And general practice is going to is going to be part of that uh, response to to that issue. Um, so, what can the government do for us? I think, you know, supporting the the um, offers that have come through NHS England, I think, is really important. Um, I think recognising we're under that pressure and allowing, you know, they've given us some contractual leeway um, during the pandemic. And I think allowing a space to catch up um, and, um, you know, begin to work out how we're going to address the issues moving forward would be really good. And of course, you know, a lot of uh, primary care workers have not been able to take holiday during this time. Um, And I think just recognising that and giving us the space to allow people to have their annual leave without the um, uh, contractual pressure um, that we had previously would, would be um, really welcomed. I think also there's going to be a, a sort of adaptation to what is um, our new normal. It's a bit of a cliched phrase at the moment, but I think we're fairly clear that um, the general practice we go back to after the pandemic will not be the same as the one that we left before it, which in some ways is a positive. But we do need, and the public needs, space to get used to that transition. Yeah, um, it's interesting you mentioned the positive there because I was just about to ask, do you think any good might come out of these difficult times, especially in terms of how the health service is valued and possibly funded as well? 
So I think it, we have to look on the positive side. I think, you know, we, we, there will be positives. And I think already we're seeing that, you know, I think some of the ways we've changed how we operate, how patients access this, some of the technology that's been rapidly introduced into general practice is really welcomed, I think. You know, the ability to have video consultations, the, the ability for GPs to log into their clinical systems remotely, I think is, is, is really good. We've been, you know, so overwhelmed by the response of the public and how they've, um, you know, started to um, really take responsibility and, and, and be prepared to look after themselves and, 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 and take positive action. That's been remarkable. And I think that we'd love to see that continue, that, part, that partnership between um, clinicians and their patients has evolved. And it would be really good to build on that moving forward. You know, we recognize the need for um, clinician-patient relationships and the, the, the continuity that comes with that and the benefits of that continuity. So it's about making sure we, we retain that where it's really important, but also use the technology um, where, where we can to make the service more efficient, more effective and more accessible. That's really interesting. So do you think there could be more of a, a dual service in terms of basically maybe half people ringing their GP for chats rather than going to the surgery and, and half still going in because, you know, either they need sort of something to be checked or they just want the human contact? Yes, I'm not even sure I'd describe it as a, a dual service. I, I, I'd look at it as a, as a continuum, just using multi, multiple modalities. And that the digital element enhances the opportunity for relationship-based care, for, commu- mm. for continuity of care, um, and for real relational care where, it, where, where, we, where we get the most benefit from it. Do you have any advice generally now um, for people um, stuck at home in terms of staying healthy? You know, there are some opportunities. I think, I think thinking about your lifestyle, thinking about um, getting the balance right, making sure you're eating well if, if you can, um, uh, exercise is really important. And, and it's, it's interesting that um, I've seen a real increase in um, patients um, and the public exercising during lockdown, which I, I'm really encouraged by. And we've also seen a lot of innovations. I do see people out on their bikes or out running, out walking, but I've also seen, uh, we've seen a lot of innovation, haven't we? We've seen, you know, online exercise classes. Um, I've, I've heard um, one of my uh, uh, friends uh, has been doing um, uh, online dancing classes. Um, that I've heard of online Pilates and yoga. And, and I think that's been really good to see. In fact, I had one patient come to see me last week um, uh, and, and she told me that her, her, her resting heart rate has gone, by, gone down by more than 10 beats per minute. And she puts that down to the fact that she's sleeping better, she's uh, um, exercising more um, and has really embraced the opportunity that lockdown has given her to, to just focus on her own health, which, yeah, that's really pleasing to see. And I think what we, try, what we have to try and do is try and capture that spirit and, and see how if we can encourage people to continue it once things get back to normal, uh, mm. whatever that might be. That's really interesting. And I'm sure things will sort of change slightly in terms of exercise as well when things are sort of back to normal, as you say. I'd be surprised if maybe so many people went to a, a sort of typical gym now that they've sort of got used to their favourite dance classes or Pilates, as you say, online. It's, it's um, yeah, totally brave new world, really. Um, yeah. is there anything else you'd like to add on any of the things we've been chatting about yeah I, I think all I would say is that um, 
you know, lockdown, it has been challenging, hasn't it? It has been something that we've not been used to, that we couldn't have predicted. Um, and uh, whilst it's really important and we understand why we're doing it, um, it does pose challenges. So I would really encourage people just to think about their own well-being, um, think about their lifestyle, access the resources. There's, there's a lot of online support that, that can be accessed. Do try and maintain social contact where you can. I realise that's difficult and, and not everybody can do it, um, but the technology that we have at our fingertips um, it can be used to good effect for that. So I would continue. I would I would encourage people to do all of that. I think if you're not feeling right, if you do feel that your mental health isn't where you think it should be, then general practice is here for you. So please do get in touch. Um, it will be by telephone or by email, by um, e-portal to to begin with. Um, but we can have conversations with you on the phone. We can use video consultations, and of course, if if we think. Um, it will be beneficial for you. We will see you face to face. Um, and, and now the secondary care services, the counselling services, the psychological therapy services are all starting to, to re-engage and, and, and get back up to full steam. Um, so they're all there for you if you need them. So this is goodbye from Mentally Yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from If you've been affected by anything we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans ring on 116123. You can also email them. That address is joe at samaritans.org. You can also visit their website, which is samaritans.org. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.